I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our morning Bible study. We are starting a new book today. New book of... <sighs> Jonah. I guess oh. it's going to be written on the title of the podcast, so it's not like a big surprise. Yeah. I... <laughs> the drum roll isn't super necessary. That was probably the saddest drum roll. I think I only hit the drums three times, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. it's the morning. Anyway, we, if you are listening to the podcast in order, we did the whole book of Acts, and then we thought, well, why don't you tell them what you thought, because this was your idea. (laughs) Oh, well, I thought, we had a number of ideas going into a letter of Paul, but we don't want to get all Pauled out, so. Yeah, I didn't want anybody to be like, enough about Paul. Yeah. (laughs) I tell people that all the time. This isn't about you. It's not about me. So we decided to go back back. into the Old Testament. And we're going to go over the book of Jonah today. I think it's going to tie in well with uh, what we have been talking about in the book of Acts. And whatever else we continue to. It's all written by the Holy Spirit, who has a plan and a thread <clears throat> going through the whole thing. But Were you thinking about Jonah on the last day that we did Acts? Because I noticed you mentioned Tarshish, which is going to come up in this book. Was that a Freudian well, slip, or is it just a really common destination? No, that's where Paul was planning to go, and it's that's also where Jonah said. was going but I didn't know if that was correct because sometimes the things you say in the morning aren't actually 100% pronounced correctly. Thank you for inspiring <laughs> confidence what? in all of our listeners. No, no, no. no, but it was, they were the same place. Tarsh, they, Tarshish, same place. Not Tarshish, Tarsus. Not as Tarsus. Yes. Okay. Okay. Tarshish is in Spain. Yeah, I have a little map here, so I see that. Hmm. Um... Let's get started, because we really didn't talk too much about Tarshish. (laughs) It's hard to say. It was just mentioned, and I didn't know why you mentioned it. But anyway, let's get started with Jonah. Do you want to give any short background about about the book, or skip that? Let's just just skip it. We'll just jump right into it. Well, it's very, very briefly. It's Old Testament, and... Uh, we believe it's post-exile, so five or six hundred years before. Before Jesus. Before Jesus, so right. around five hundred years before Jesus. So that's where we're at. All right, and how do you say this name here? Amitai. Okay. All right. If you are. Reading along, I'm in the NIV. As always, I'm reading from my good old lifelong Bible, Concordia Self-Study, NIV 84. If you're reading along in a different version, 
and there's some discrepancies in the translation. Hopefully you can see that they're very, very similar and shouldn't be a problem. And if you have questions about why things got changed or something, you can always email pastor. Starting at chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. All right, so before I go on any further, uh, he is in... I don't really know where he's he started. He's in Israel. Yeah, he's somewhere in Israel. And if you had a map which maybe you do if you're holding a hard copy of a Bible. Or if you're holding a telephone. <laughs> <laughs> that like you have one Not a rotary mean? phone, but a <laughs> smartphone. Okay. If you have a smartphone, you could Google Jonah. Jonah. <laughs> Jonah's journeys or life. Here's how the internet works. Life, of, life at the time of Jonah. You'll get a map, and you'll see that Jonah lived in... Israel, Joppa is a port city in, like, the middle between, looks kind of to me like it's between Judah and Israel, uh, on the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. West. Oh, eastern side of the Mediterranean. <laughs> yeah. Western Israel. Right, it's on the coast, so there we go. And he's supposed to go to Nineveh, which is in what is now like Iraq. Iraq. So going to the east through the land and he gets on a boat and goes on the west towards Tarshish, which would be modern day Spain. So he's literally going the opposite mm. direction. Yeah, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria mm. at this time. So the Assyrians were a thorn in the side like many of the nations surrounding Israel were. So there was not good blood with them. Many different battles have been fought between them. I have to... I would have to look. Who killed, I think the sons of Samuel were killed by Assyria. I don't... Don't quote me on that. Mm, all right. Anyway. So he ran away. Ran away. And he's on a boat. Okay, verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Okay. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. That was a better place to stop than when I said. No, that's... So, another shipwreck, just like we've been talking about in Acts, possibly. Kevin. What do you There's mean, Acts, possibly? There was a shipwreck in Acts. Well, there's not going to... Well, I shouldn't oh. spoil it. Yeah. 
Oh, you mean a storm on the sea. A storm on the sea where everyone Mm -hmm. thinks there's going to be a shipwreck and throwing the cargo overboard to lighten it up. Yeah, this is all familiar. Yeah. Whether or not there's a shipwreck has yet to be seen Mm -hmm. in Jonah, but there definitely is one in Acts. So I have a question here. Mm -hmm. Um, They're sailing from Joppa, but not all the people are Israelites or... At the time, Israel doesn't, their faith isn't strong? Or what do you think? Because the people all start praying to their own gods. Does that mean that they're Israelites and they've lost the faith? Or this is just a random assortment of lots of nationalities of people? I think it's a random assortment. Cause it's you a never city. really hear about the Israeli navy. So it's just not something that they do. The, the, really, <laughs> the boats... True. Okay. So, uh, many of the boats would be the Phoenicians were very well known for their ships, and that would have been a little bit farther north. I should take that back. Solomon did a lot of sailing during his reign. There were people who were shipbuilders. Yeah, Solomon did a lot, but he used the. I think he used the ships from Sire, but there are. In First uh, Samuel, it does talk about a lot of his conquests where he goes, because I know he goes and gets lots of gold from some place called Ophir. But anyway, right. well, this is getting... that's a tangent. Yeah. But anyway, the lots of gods. It's also interesting that Jonah tries to run from the Lord, because it's it's not like that was a thought of the Israelites because when David talks about the Lord in the Psalms, you know, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. Anywhere I go, the Lord is God. But many of the other gods of that time were gods of localities. Mm. So the God of the mountain, the God of the valley, the God of the sea. And their power or domain was really only in certain places. So I don't know if I take Jonah's actions to be he was trying to flee from the place that the Lord had power or if it's more just direct defiance of, hey, go west or go east, my son. I'm going to go west as far as I can. Doing the opposite. Yeah, I don't know if he's... I don't think it's unbelievable. No, I think he's like not running away from God. Like he can escape God. He's running away from God's will or his plan for him Mm -hmm. i just think that's an important kind of distinction when you think about this maybe not it is Hmm. for me so he's sleeping during a storm that's also interesting because it it shows he's sort of calm or confident or maybe um i don't know he could, be taking a, he could be taking a shame nap, too. Just trying to hide out in the boat and not call any attention to himself. All right, so then they cast lots. Mm-hmm. And then does God make the lots fall on Jonah so that they know? Is God a part of this superstitious activity? Or it just so happened that way by chance and it was true or no it is this is god influencing 
the superstitious. So so that one and that just reinforce people's superstitious um, minds. If you would think so, <laughs> but we need to read ahead and see what happens oh. next. Okay. But yeah, the the casting of lots. We don't know what that actually is. If it's throwing stones on the ground, or if it's picking straws, or whatnot. Yeah. But. In this case, it's obviously influenced by the Lord because they get the right decision. There are numerous examples of casting lots throughout the Old Testament. This is just diving back into the God's will and free choice thing, Mm -hmm. which we've sort of discussed and uh, don't need to get into again today. But anyway, just something I noticed. And the lots fell on Jonah. Verse 8. Here we go again. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. It seems like he's... God told him that, right? Or is this, like, superstition? No, I... I think Jonah... is either severely depressed or is dealing with something that is just complete speculation please but why why would you say something like that because he i i won't really it'll just be kind of a teaser to the end of the book i don't want to get ahead but he just it seems like his life he doesn't have a super high value for throughout it he knows oh, he's clearly putting, who the God is. He confesses, you know, I, I, I the God I have is the I think I know what you're referencing towards the end of the book, but he, he's not saying, like, kill me because my life isn't worth living. Like, this isn't a suicide note. This is him saying, I know I did the wrong thing, and I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And if I weren't on this boat, you wouldn't be having this problem. He's taking it responsibility. But they're in the middle of a terrible storm in the middle of the ocean. It also showed trust in God that when he he acknowledges what he did was wrong and gives in God's word that he believes God is going to save him, even through some unknown way. I don't know. I've never ever thought of him being depressed, but... Then again, I don't really think about the mental health of most of the prophets. I think which could they be are a thing. they are people. Yeah, I mean they're I'm not, not just. I'm not, not saying ju- that every prophet has great mental health or any pastor for that matter, but I'm just saying I don't know about severely extremely depressed. That seemed like a big jump. It may be a big jump. Uh, we will, as we go through it, I'll point out a couple of different Uh, instances where that's supported. I think it's supported. But whatever it was, I think you're right. I know you're right. That he told them, if I weren't on this boat, 
you would not be experiencing this. So if you get rid of me, all of you will be fine. And that had to be revealed to him some way by the Lord. Yeah. So, however, it doesn't really say, did it, how long they've been on the ship? No, we don't know how far away they are. Later, I don't think it's spoiling to say that a... He gets eaten by a fish. <laughs> where so does he brand get, new. Where does he get spit up, though, is what I'm wondering. Like, how far out are they? Did they just get on the boat and this is happening, like, right off the coast of Israel? Or are they in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea? Like, how long have they been sailing before this comes up? Just Does seems, not say. Seems like he was so in denial of God. He runs away, and now he's... Almost immediately, like, he doesn't, he's no longer in denial, like, I don't know, some other stubborn people in the Bible might have been like, oh, it's not me, keep sailing, or, you know, Mm. I don't know, just have these attitudes, and it's like the first time he's questioned, he goes, yeah, it's me, just throw me overboard, he, he pretty much gives right back in and says, I do know, I do know I need to go around back to Nineveh. So is it the first day they're all together? Have they been out there for a week? I guess it doesn't really say, but mm-hmm. it it kind of shows he knew all along, no matter how many days it was, that he was doing the wrong thing, and it took a storm of pretty significant damage for him to, you know, he didn't just come up with that on his own, like three days on the boat of being guilty, like, oh, I really should go back. Mm-hmm. The storm is making him realize his error yeah and we don't know we don't know about the life of jonah before this we don't know how long he was a prophet we don't know how he was chosen to be a prophet we don't know if there were other difficult missions that he was on where he experienced trouble all of those things would just be complete guesses and uh but in this case, it's to the point where they are afraid. If they were only, you know, three hours away from shore, I don't think they'd be freaking out so much. They would say, land. Then they tried to head towards whatever yeah. region or vicinity. But they're just throwing their cargo overboard because they're saying, well, we have no idea where we're going and we might crash. Okay. So he confesses it's his fault and throw me overboard in verse 12. All right, Mm -hmm. we are on verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Oh, I read that weird. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. So, before I get to the good part, mm-hmm. they don't want to throw him overboard because they're pretty sure that would kill him. So they're not, not listening because because they don't care. They just think, we're not going to kill you. We're not going to throw you overboard. And then they decide they are going to, and they kind of pray for forgiveness, like, forgive us for what we're about to do. Yeah. They, well, if someone is important enough to, in in their minds, 
not just that person's God, but any God, false God, that he is willing to alter the weather to get him to change direction. They don't want to be responsible for killing someone that is that important to a God. And their prayer is to the God of Israel. They, they pray to the Lord. Uh, they use the Tetragrammaton, which is the four letters in Hebrew that are for the true God. So, And in a normal Bible, like mine, it says Lord in like small caps. Yeah. That's so, how you know it's different than just like regular. Yeah, like L-O-R-D. a Lord and a lady. Yeah. Okay, so they are like, oh, fine, we'll do this, but I hope this is the right choice. Let's pray, say a prayer before we do this. And they throw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. Verse 16, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. What kind of sacrifice do you think they made? would doubt well they might have had some sort of fire they probably would have some sort of fire to keep warm because they have no other form of heat true just picture having a big old altar on a boat and burning up things during a storm just seem i guess the storm stopped but seems odd but i mean it could be a fire it could be just they put some incense it could be a drink offering or they pour something out to him Mm mm-hmm I mean, there are lots of different offerings, and they probably weren't well-versed in the sacrifices of the Israelites, where, yeah, they would take a young bull without any defect of a year old. I'm just drawing this out because I feel like the story just comes to a quick conclusion here. Well, it is. (laughs) the, The term, the fear... Fear of the Lord in the Old Testament is how the Old Testament talks about faith. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this whole ship of sailors all of a sudden got to see the power of the one true God, who Jonah had confessed to be the God of the heavens and of the earth, which is basically everything. Mm -hmm. And... That they fear him, they offer a sacrifice to him and worship him, mm-hmm. and they make a vow saying, this is how we want to be. All of those men might have been converted. So even though Jonah was trying to avoid doing the work of God, still a whole boat full of people that might not have ever heard God or believed in him mm-hmm. had a wonderful opportunity to what near-death experiences bring people to faith sometimes yeah well i'm not (laughs) recommending people have near-death experiences but yeah it's great it's good it's just god's work is done even when we try to mess it up i guess yeah i mean jonah's Literally trying to do the opposite that God wants him to do. All right, are we ready for the big event in Jonah's life? 
or the big one that everyone knows about. <laughs> yes. Okay. His bar mitzvah. <laughs> Verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Is that really your la- last verse of chapter one? Are you asking me if I'm reading it correctly or if that's the last verse? No, because in in my Hebrew Bible that I'm following along with, which if you're following along in the Hebrew, I'm using the BHS <laughs> 2.0. Uh, but that is the first verse of chapter two. Oh, weird. No, that's the last verse of chapter one for me. Verse, or chapter 1, verse 17, and that's the end. And then the next section is called Jonah's Prayer, okay. which is chapter 2, which I think we will do tomorrow. So, yeah, it's a cliffhanger. Yeah, but great fish. Not just, necessarily a whale. Yeah, there are not many whales in the Mediterranean Sea that I know of. Oh, do you know of fish large enough to swallow an adult man? I do not. So it could be a fish that is still alive today someone it could be a special creature that god created specifically for this uh event it's, i think like but when kids bibles or thing you know songs like say jonah and the whale um then there's a bunch of people who are quick to correct and be like it never said a whale. It's a great Could fish. Be a fish. Yeah. Because whales are mammals. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Because it's not a fish. What's the is the Greek word literally mean fish? Or does it mean like large thing that swims in the sea? Or I'm it's sorry, not Greek. It literally means fish, Hebrew. But I don't know enough about the Hebrew classifications of animals to whether or not they right. specified mammalia from, because that would all be Latin, right. which is 10, you know, a millennia later. So he's inside a fish. It's just like always grosses me out and blows my mind that someone could be swallowed alive and live inside someone's stomach see and this is i think that people use the whale often this would be something interesting to see if that is before or after pinocchio (laughs) because i think that's just kind of just in the subconscious of people someone gets swallowed and lives inside what is it it's a big whale look if the common use of saying Jonah and the whale came before or after the movie or story of Pinocchio. Yeah, I guess I could just look to the King James version. was based off the story of Jonah? It definitely is. There are definitely a lot of allusions to Christianity throughout the movie of Pinocchio. It's been so long for me. I'm not going to speak to that movie. That's not one we have on regular rotation in our house. Anyway, we will go on with Jonah's prayer tomorrow, and if we find anything about the history of the whale, I don't want to wait. Okay, fine. It's going to take too long, and it'll leave people wanting more for tomorrow. Give me a reason to wake up in the morning. Don't answer it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who's severely depressed? Okay.
that's the end of chapter one. There's actually only four chapters in Jonah, so this mm-hmm. is going to be a quick one. All right, we will hear Jonah's prayer from the inside of the fish tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor Ann, Laura, wake up.